Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Retroless. When I was a teenager, I worked at Suncoast Motion Picture Company. That's that video store that you would always see in malls. There were hundreds of stores. There was a lot of perks to working there. You got to watch a lot of movies, you got to talk about movies, and basically the job wasn't very difficult. There was another perk that really stood out. They had these three foot by three foot black and white pictures that they ran along the edges of the walls. And they would be pictures from movies, movie stills, and they were on foam board, already mounted. And those would stay up there for about a year. And then they would send us three to six extra ones to change out the old ones. It was always a great time because if you were there on that day, you could buy these big black and white photos from movies. If you're a movie fan, it was great. I picked up an Indiana Jones one for ten bucks. Little did I know that one of them would create a Christmas miracle for me. It was in late November, early December. I can't remember the year. And one of the photos coming off the wall was the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer one. It was a big shot of Rudolph. So I took it down, and I got into a big argument with the other guy I was working with about who should get it. But, because I had seniority, I was allowed to take it home. So I paid my ten bucks, and at the end of my shift, 6 p.m., I walked out with it. It was too big to bag, so it got a lot of stares. I stopped in the food court to get some food, and a guy came up to me and said, Hey, where did you get that? I said, I got it at Suncoast. He said, well, how much are they? I said, well, this is the only one that they have. He said, well, can I buy it from you? And I responded, well, I really like this, and I've kind of been waiting for it. He said, well, how much did you pay for it? I said, I paid $10 for it. I'm not a good negotiator, obviously, because I did not inflate the price. He said, well, I'll give you 20 He said, I really have no interest in selling it. He said, well, I'm a really big collector of these things, and I've always wanted something like this, so how much would you like for it? I said, I really am not that interested in selling it. He said, I'll give you $50. I put down my Chicken McNuggets. $50? Wow. I thought about it for a second. I thought, well, $50 I could do a lot with. Before I could answer him, he said, I'll give you 75 That really surprised me. So I gave one last look at that photo with Rudolph's big shiny eyes staring up at me. And I said, $100. The guy said, can you wait here a second? I said, sure. He went to an ATM machine. And he came back with $100. And it just so happens that I really needed that money at that point. I had a VCR at home that did not work. And it was driving me nuts. Here I am, a big movie fan, and I had nothing to watch them at home with. I took that $100, and on the way out, I stopped at Caldor and picked up a VCR. I think I paid $69 for it. With tax, I still had about $25 left. It was a Christmas miracle brought to you by Rankin Bass's Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Rankin Bass's Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is a timeless classic, and it invokes really strong emotions in people. People are willing to spend $100 on a mounted portrait of it. On today's show, we're going to talk about this holiday special. We'll talk about its origins, where Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer comes from, a little bit about Rankin Bass. We'll talk about the special, the talented people behind the special, its broadcast history, and some of the sequels that it spawned. As always, we have an information-packed show for you. So without further ado, let's start the show. Hey, 
Okay, fellas, it's awful cold out here. I'm going to see if I can find myself a nice, warm igloo. Try to get along without me if you possibly can. The story of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer begins much earlier than the 1960s. begins in the late 30s when a man named Bob DeMay was very sad because his wife was very sick and he had a four-year-old daughter who was very upset as well. His wife would pass away before Christmas in 1938 and because times were tough, this is the tail end of the Great Depression, Bob was really hard-pressed to come up with anything to give his daughter. So he came up with a story that he would tell her. And there's a lot of myths around how the story derives. Some say that he told it to her one night and she loved it. The others say that he made a book and presented it to her on Christmas Day. Either way, it was a very special story from a father to a daughter during a very difficult time. Normally, that beautiful story would end there. But Mr. May happened to have a job at Montgomery Ward as a copywriter. And the general manager there heard about the storybook and offered Bob a fee to purchase the rights to print the book. Since Ward needed the money, he agreed. Montgomery Ward would go on to print Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and distribute it to children visiting Santa Claus in their stores. By 1946, they had printed and distributed more than 6 million copies of the story. Now here's where it gets really interesting, and almost storybook-like in itself. That very year, a publisher wanted to purchase the rights from Montgomery Ward to print an updated version of the book. In an amazing gesture of kindness, the CEO of Montgomery Ward returned the rights to the book to Bob May. The book would go on to become a bestseller, and from the marketing deals that would come from that, Bob May would become wealthy. Of course, the story doesn't end there. Because you see, Bob had a brother-in-law named Johnny Marks, who wrote a song adaptation of Rudolph and started shopping it around. He brought it to some of the greatest vocalists of the time. People like Bing Crosby turned him down. Then, a singing cowboy named Gene Autry decided to sing the song, and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer was released in 1949 as a song. It was a huge success, selling more records than any other Christmas song with the exception of White Christmas. The song holds an interesting distinction, being the only number one hit to fall completely off the charts after hitting number one on the week of Christmas in 1949. A little bit before that, in 1948, famous animator Max Fleischer created what would be the first 
animated version of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And that eight-minute short was created for Jam Handy. You're very lucky if you want to see it because that movie has fallen into the public domain and you could find it online and often at a supermarket for $1.99 in one of those budget DVD racks. So the song was a mega success. You would think they would rush to make a million movies based on it, but it wouldn't be till the 1960s that the proper studio would come along to translate this song and story into a classic. That studio was Rankin Bass. Rankin Bass was founded by Arthur Rankin Jr. and Jules Bass in the early 1960s as Videocraft International. The company was basically an animation studio, although they used Animagic or stop motion productions as well as traditional cell animation. The majority of their animation would be done in Japan. In addition to their animation studios, Rankin Bass had its own company of voice actors, and for most of the studio's early work, this group was based in Toronto, Ontario. There, the recordings would be supervised by veteran CBC announcer Bernard Cowan, and he would have such talents as Paul Soles, Larry D. Mann, and Paul Kligman under him. Later, they would add notable voices like Paul Fries, Mickey Rooney, Maury Amsterdam, Marlo Thomas, Angela Lansbury, Don Messick, Jackie Vernon, and even Shelley Winters. Some of those talented people would be brought on board for a project that would premiere on NBC, sponsored by General Electric, on December 6, 1964, during what would be called the General Electric Fantasy Hour. That special was Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. On Sunday, December 4th, Burl Ives again tells the exciting new story of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer on the General Electric Fantasy Hour. The date, Sunday, December 4th. Join Rudolph in a trip to the island of misfit toys. Meet Yukon Cornelius, the funniest prospector of the North. And shoot! Meet Santa's elves and hear seven original Christmas songs. Burl sings... Have a holly jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. I don't know if there'll be snow, but have a cup of cheer. It's a holly jolly Christmas special for the entire family. Don't miss Rudolph, Sunday, December 4th, in color on most of these stations. I'm not sure of anybody who hasn't seen Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer but the story in the special is a lot more complicated than both the story and the song. The Rankin-Bass classic was written by Romeo Muller, the main contributor and screenwriter of Rankin-Bass Productions. He also did The Little Drummer Boy and Frosty the Snowman. So here's the plot. Rudolph is a reindeer who has a red, shiny nose, and he is tormented to no end by not only his friends, but his family as well who are very ashamed of it. There's only one reindeer who seems to understand him, and that is Clarice, who's a doe. Rudolph considers himself a misfit, and he meets a fellow misfit named Hermie, who is an elf who's just quit his job as a toy maker to become a dentist. They both run away and meet this really cool guy named Yukon Cornelius, who's a prospector. They go out into the world, seeking their own adventure, where they're attacked by an abominable snow monster, the Bumble and manage to escape, but land on the island of misfit toys. 
There they meet King Moonracer, who is a lion with a crown and wings, who tells these band of misfits that they can't stay, even though they're misfits, which I think is really short-sighted on Moonracer's part, but that he would like them to go tell Santa about these toys and that maybe Santa could drop by and pick them up. I'm not sure why Moonracer didn't go talk to Santa himself. Maybe Santa would be alarmed by a lion with wings, or maybe he realizes that Santa's kind of a jerk in this cartoon, and that he would probably say no, because Santa doesn't like misfits at the beginning. So back to the North Pole they go. Rudolph goes home and finds that his mother and father are missing, as well as Clarice, because they went looking for them. They find out that the Bumble has trapped them. Rudolph tries to stop him, but he's knocked unconscious. But his two friends, Hermie and Yukon, save the day, taking down the Bumble and extracting his sharp teeth. Yukon then pushes the Bumble into a pit, but the Bumble pulls Yukon in with him, seemingly killing them both. Rudolph and the others are sad and go home, yet when they get home, they meet Yukon and the Bumble, and we learn something about Bumbles. Bumbles bounce. So they both landed in the pit and bounced out. Still no resolution on Rudolph's nose until it's a very stormy night, and Santa can't deliver his packages, so he says to Rudolph, help me out here. Rudolph lights his nose, gets hitched to the sleigh, and takes to the sky, saving Christmas for everyone. It's a great story of fighting diversity and coming out on top. It also shows a very mean world that treats people who are different quite poorly. Now you come to health practice and learn how to wiggle your ears and chuckle warmly and go hee-hee and ho-ho and important stuff like that. There's an interesting little bit of trivia about the Island of Misfit Toys. In the original broadcast of the special, Santa does not fulfill his promise and return for the toys to take them and deliver them. This, of course, caused an outrage amongst people who watched it, and in subsequent broadcasts, they would make new scenes that had Santa picking up the misfit toys and actually delivering them, which I think is kind of nice. So as I mentioned, there were a lot of talented people working at Rankin Bass, and a lot of them would work right in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Billy Richards would play Rudolph. A toy is never truly happy until it is loved by a child. Santa Claus and King Moonracer were both voiced by Stan Francis. Perhaps another reason King Moonracer wouldn't be in the same room with them. They would sound too similar. He also did the voice of the eight reindeer mentioned in the song. Ah, well, such is the life of an elf. Sam the Snowman, who is the narrator of the story, was styled to resemble folk singer Burl Ives, who also contributed the voice. Now, I don't know if this is true or not, but I read that in the story, originally, Rudolph was to have been delivered to Donner and his wife by a stork, but when General Electric brought in Burl Ives as the narrator, the scene was scrapped and never filmed, so that it now appears that Rudolph was born naturally. And I've never been able to find a detail about why that is. Maybe Burl Ives wanted a bit of realism in the cartoon. Burl Ives would go on to sing... Johnny Marks' 1962 A Holly Jolly Christmas in the special, and it would go on to become a Christmas standard on its own. Well, sir, someday I'd like to be a, a dentist. Hermie, the misfit elf, was voiced by Paul Souls. Now, Hermie is really interesting in the collector world because when you go and buy merchandise in stores, he's often labeled Herbie. And the rumor is that Herbie was actually supposed to be the original name but for some reason, Romeo Muller wrote Hermie in the script, and it's Hermie, obviously, throughout the story. But I actually prefer Herbie, and 
kind of wish he was named that, because he kind of looks more like a Herbie than a Hermie. But still, it's Hermie. Why, any doe would consider herself lucky to be with you. Clarice the Doe, Rudolph's love, was voiced and sung by Janet Orenstein. And Janet would sing a very pretty song called There's Always Tomorrow. She sings this to try to cheer Rudolph up, and it's one of the more poignant moments of the whole special. Mush! Don't you understand, North Holtot? Mush! Yukon Cornelius was voiced by Larry D. Mann, and he's a prospector who leads the audience to believe that he's searching for gold or silver, but is actually seeking the rarest mine of them all, the fabled peppermint mine. Yukon is a blustery character, kind of larger than life, but he's also just really cool. He meets these guys for five seconds, and he's instantly friends with them, and he sticks by them right to the end. He's a guy you can depend on. One of the main characters who doesn't have a voice credited to him is the Bumble. A dentist! Good grief! Hermes' boss in the movie is voiced by Alfie Scop. He's the goateed and surly elf who doesn't believe that Hermie wants to be a dentist, but eventually would come to fire him and send Hermie on his way to becoming a dentist. There's a famous blooper that involves the boss. Right before he starts conducting the elf vocal group, he's voiced by a completely and unidentified voice actor in a bit of a flub. The Island of Misfit Toys has become a cult phenomenon over the years. They were all ruled over by King Moonracer, who, as I mentioned, was voiced by Stan Francis. But only one of the toys had a real name, and that would be Charlie in the Box. Charlie was voiced by Carl Bannis, who would also voice many of the other toys in the scene. The other toys include a spotted elephant, who acts as the Island of Misfits toys bellhop, and is pretty adorable. The doll in the Island of Misfit toys is named Adali for Sue. She calls herself that. And she's seemingly a normal ragdoll, and why she's a misfit is never really explained on the special. But it was revealed by Arthur Rankin Jr. that Dolly's problem wasn't physical, but psychological, caused from her being abandoned by her mistress and suffering depression from feeling unloved, which is just a great answer. Rounding out the other misfit toys, you have the birdfish, who's a toy bird who swims instead of flies, a misfit cowboy riding an ostrich, a train with square wheels, a toy boat that sinks rather than floats, a squirt gun that shoots jelly, a airplane that can't fly, a bear that rides a bike, and a scooter for Jimmy. And now, these messages. Monday, see the story of the reindeer who saves Christmas for us all and earns a place in Christmas history. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Monday at 8, 7 Central and Mountain. Tuesday, a CBS dramatic special presents Ricky Schroeder in the rags-to-riches story of a young boy who must choose between his mother's love and his grandfather's wealth. Then, get ready for a special Kenny Rogers with country superstars Dottie West, the Oak Ridge Boys, and more, a special evening of entertainment Tuesday. This is CBS. Here's the Norelco Santa with some new ways to say Merry Christmas. Give the Norelco rechargeable triple header or the triple header with a cord. Give the inexpensive flip top 20 or the new cordless. And say Merry Christmas to the ladies with a lady Norelco or the new home beauty salon. Norelco. Even our name says Merry Christmas. The music is a big part 
of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And the core music from the special is comprised of nine songs done by various artists. You have Overture and a Holly Jolly Christmas done by Burl Ives. You have Jingle 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 performed by Stan Francis. You have We Are Santa's Elves by the Video Craft Chorus. You have There's Always Tomorrow by Janet Orenstein. You have Wear a Couple of Misfits by Billy Mae Richards and Paul Souls. You have Silver and Gold, again by Burl Ives. You have The Most Wonderful Day of the Year, done by the Videocraft Chorus. You have A Holly Jolly Christmas, done by Burl Ives. And finally, you have Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, as done by Burl Ives. The songs for the special were written by Johnny Marks, with Maury Laws supervising. Over the years, the show would go through different broadcast editions and would have slight differences. The original 1964 broadcast was, first of all, on NBC, and this version includes the original end credits, where the elves are seen delivering boxes, but it doesn't include the Misfit Island finale that was filmed for the following year's telecast. What was kind of cool is that the commercials and network bumpers from the special, especially the commercials for General Electric, had the elves in them. From the 1965 through 1997 telecasts of the show, there were some changes made. In response to viewer protests on the unresolved fate of the Misfits, GE shot a new ending which shows the toys being rescued. This is the ending that has been shown on all telecasts and video releases ever since. In the process, several sequences would be deleted. The instrumental bridge from We Are Santa's Elves, the duet reprise of Where a Couple of Misfits, some additional dialogue by Burl Ives, and the peppermint mine scene, which resolved the fate of Yukon Cornelius. Also a new song, Fame and Fortune, was shot for the revised version and put in place of the reprise of Where a Couple of Misfits. Starting in 1998 and ever since, the aforementioned 1965 deletions were returned to the film, and Fame and Fortune was re-replaced with Where a Couple of Misfits. When Rudolph was finally released on video by its previous owner, Broadway Video, the 1965 rebroadcast print was used with the changes that ran from 1965 to 1997. All current video prints, which are being put out by classic media, are a compendium of the two previous telecast versions of the special. All the footage in the current version followed the original NBC airing up until the end of the Peppermint Mine scene, followed by the final act of the 1965 edit with the Misfit Island finale and the 1965 alternative credits in place of the original end sequence. Does that make sense? Whew. This is also the version that is currently airing on CBS every year, although in a slightly edited form to accommodate some more commercials, obviously. Of course, when you've got something good, why not spawn some sequels? That's exactly what Rankin Bass did. The best known and probably best of all of those is Rudolph's Shiny New Year, which took Rudolph outside of the realm of Christmas and had him paired with Baby New Year. Later, there would be another Rudolph special called Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July, which took two of Rankin-Bass's most successful creations and paired them in a real mess. In 1998, a feature-length film, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the movie, was released into theaters and it used traditional cell animation and didn't feature any of Romeo Muller's characters and is, in my opinion, pretty horrible. But there's a direct-to-video CGI animated sequel called Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and the Island of Misfit Toys, which was released by Good Times in 2001. This would ignore the 1998 film and reintroduced 
Romeo Muller's beloved characters. The special might have premiered on NBC, but in 1972, the special moved over to CBS, and it would remain on CBS up till now. In 2005, CBS even unveiled a high-definition, digitally remastered version of the special. The special has been shown every year since 1964, making it the longest-running Christmas TV special in American television history, and one of only four 1960s Christmas specials that are still being shown, the others being How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Frosty the Snowman, and A Charlie Brown Christmas. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the song, the story, and the Rankin-Bass special are all important parts of American culture. They help to ring in the holiday season, their images are beloved by millions, and they will continue to be passed down from generation to generation. And while all of that is very important, let's not forget their most important contribution. They also helped me get a VCR. Good crowd for Christmas Eve, fellas, man. What'd you say? Mm -hmm. Hey, fly. Mm -hmm. No kidding. Hey, I really enjoyed that. Hey, we put on good show. Ooh, man. They like that grapevine. There goes the last bus. So call me a cab. Hey man, you're a cab. Don't oh. <laughs> no sweat, it's Christmas Eve. Next reindeer's due any minute. Oh, oh, man. Come on, come on. You know, there's Dasher and Dancer and Prancer. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist and twitter.com slash retroist. If you like the art that you see at the top of the post of this podcast, it's done by Christopher Tupa. You can see more of Christopher Tupa's art on the retroist or on his own website, ctupa.com. That's c-t-u-p-a dot com. I'd love to hear what you think about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the song, and the special. So why not drop by the Retroist forums? They're at retroist.com slash forum. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend.
Bounce. Go! This has been a Retro's production. Goodbye.